by a score of 31 to 17. Boy, that is a good, good Cardinal team. Uh, this one just ended a few short moments ago. Um, the Chargers come away with a 27-24 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Dustin Hopkins hits a 29-yard field goal uh, with two seconds on the clock. And uh, don't look now, but the Chargers have improved to 5-3 and three on the season. Of course, uh, coming up tonight, this should be a good one. Uh, looking forward to this one. Uh, even though I have to be up rather early in the morning, as I'm sure many of you can relate to, uh, the Rams and Titans getting together tonight, 820. Uh, that should be a good one out at uh, SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. Rams, of course, coming in at 7-1. and one. The Titans coming in at 6-2. and two. That should be a darn good game. And then just to finish off the slate here uh, for this, I can't believe I'm saying this, week nine already yeah. in the National Football League, Bears and Steelers on Monday night. We welcome in my pal, Bill Keenest. How are you, Bill? Great, Shawnee B. How are you, buddy? Tremendous. You know, you had yeah. a, a, one of those games today. You know, every yeah. week there's yeah. one of those games that happened yeah. in the NFL, and you're like, how did that happen? Yeah. The Jacksonville Jaguars knocked off the Buffalo Bills 9 to six. Congratulations to the Jags for that. You know, the right. Bills were looking at times like one of the best teams in the league, yeah. and they just couldn't get it going today against the Jags and that defense. You're right, Sean. I mean, I uh, I had mentioned a couple shows ago that I did the uh, Cincinnati-Jacksonville game on a Thursday night last month, and Jacksonville has tremendous team speed, especially on defense. And going into the game, no one would have taken the bet that Josh Allen wouldn't be the player of the game. <laughs> Unfortunately for the Bills, it was the other Josh Allen who had the game of his life uh, for the Jaguars. And, you know, there was one one interesting note that uh, the Jags' Josh Allen sacked the Bills' Josh Allen, and that was the first time – I don't know who looks these up, but the first time in the history of NFL football – that a quarterback was sacked by a player that had the same name. <laughs> so, how about that one? But he, uh, Bill's, he guys like Bill Keenis looked that up. Let's maybe. be honest, Bill. Pat yeah. yourself on the back a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so. But um, boy, did they play tough! And uh, it was just one of those back and forth games. Uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback, didn't have his best game um, with interceptions and fumbles, but you have to, you know, attribute some of that to the defense. Um, and the, uh, you know, the, the good thing, um, you know, for that win, you know, in addition to just Jacksonville winning, but their offensive coordinators, Daryl Bevel, and even though they scored nine points, they scored more than Buffalo and their defensive coordinator who called a magnificent game was Joe is Joe Cullen, who, uh, is a wonderful guy, an exceptional coach. And so got to be really happy for them. And, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, it's just, and, and who would have pr predicted Denver's big win today? Oh. Nobody, nobody. And that just shows from week to week, from quarter to quarter. I mean, even the way Cleveland manhandled Cincinnati, um, I, I believe that Cincinnati got the opening kickoff or one of their early possessions went right down the field 
and um, uh, Ward picked it off for the Browns and pick six, 99 yards. And don't think plays like that that happen early in the game can't have a monumental impact on the outcome because it's obviously an emotional game. It's, you know, interstate, all that. Cleveland was looking at Baltimore and the Steelers moving ahead of them, even or ahead of them. So some would say it was a must win for Cleveland. And Cincinnati is still in that mode where they, they have to validate, you know, from week to week. And I think a play like that, um, really from an emotional standpoint is so hard to overcome. I mean, Sean, remember back in the nineties, all those Super Bowl blowouts, you know, San Francisco was blowing out Denver and Dallas was blowing out Buffalo and, and so on and so forth. And I think in, in, in a game like football where the emotion is so real and so extreme that plays early in games can lead to lopsided final scores. It doesn't necessarily mean that one team is that much better than the other team, but it's an emotional game. It, it, it's why we love it. It's a, it's an emotional game. And so, uh, yeah, there were a number of games today where you just look at the, you know, you know, the Falcons going in to new Orleans and beating the saints, even though they had the saints had quarterback problems, um, with injuries and what have you. I still don't think anyone really expected that. And Oh, by the way, Shawnee B guess who's the game out of first place now in the AFC East. Amazing how that works out. Isn't, isn't that it? something? Amazing how that works out. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the mighty Patriots are just a game behind Buffalo now, and um, so like and like you said, we're we're only halfway there. Got a lot of football to go, and uh, it's it's weekends like this with the results we had today that keeps everybody just hungry and thirsty for more. You know, it was interesting, Bill. You you mentioned that uh, Cincy Cleveland game. I I was yeah. actually excited to watch that game, and mm-hmm. they had an oddity in that game as well. The uh, the Bengals offense held onto the ball for over the first ten minutes of the game. Cleveland right. didn't have one yeah. offensive yeah. play because they had the long drive that resulted right. in the ninety nine yard touchdown, right. and then they went right down the field. And I'm thinking, here we go. Yeah, and the Browns just blew them out from there. I mean, I flipped it yeah. off to be honest with you. They're, you know what? I'm gonna go see what this Jags Bills game is all about. That's, <laughs> that's what happened in my house. But you, yeah. something interesting happened in that game that I that I know you wanted to touch on today as well. Yeah. Well, there was you know we 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 have replay and. Um, you know, it's obviously, you know, there to correct mistakes or to right or wrong. And there was one play where Josh Allen got sacked. And I'm I'm looking at the broadcast feed, so I can't hear the whistle blowing um, all the time. And apparently the, the, the forward progress was stopped or the whistle blew. It was a clear fumble. And, um, and they rolled it down. And uh, so Buffalo kept the ball. And that could have been a pivotal pivotal turning point um but that's the reality there's plays like that in every single game you know just as michigan um against michigan state and i'm sure michigan state had a few of those yesterday as well so that's the beauty of it but um but yeah it's uh it's been it was a crazy crazy uh saturday as well i mean you know we talked about how good purdue was last week sean we 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 didn't give any quarter to the the, the thought that this was going to be just chalk it up was going to be a win for the Spartans. Purdue is a fascinating team. I mean, they just they obviously have good players. Why aren't they 
you know, seven and one, eight and one. You have to ask yourself that question. It just seems so bizarre that they come up with these incredible performances. And then uh, the other team, I think, I think we we need to start a petition to bring the Minnesota Vikings and the Nebraska Cornhuskers together for some kumbaya time because I if, both of those teams have lost however many games all by one score. Yeah, you know, amazing. the Vikings the Vikings did it again today. Yeah. You know, they they go into Baltimore and from what I could, you know, see and try to keep up with, they they led most of the game. Yep. Baltimore ties it, wins it in overtime, and Nebraska had another one possession game um, against Ohio State, and they they you know they stayed they stayed toe to toe with them, but um, it's the beauty of football. No doubt about it. It's no the doubt beauty about of football. It. Want to talk some college when we come back? Yeah. I also want to ask you, Bill, and, and maybe some listeners are intrigued about this. I, I was thinking about you know doing the show with you today, and one of the things that oh. What happens with a team like the Lions during the bye week? What does the bye week consist of? What is the weekend like? You know, do they all sit around and watch games on Sunday? We'll get into that. Some college stuff, some high school stuff. I think you guessed it already. This show is all about things happening on the gridiron. We're glad to be here on a Sunday night. Glad you're here as well. He's Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. This is Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR. And welcome back in. Uh, Yeah, Spartan fans. Sorry, we are your home for the Spartans, but uh, we do have to uh, reiterate they did fall yesterday uh, to Purdue by a score of 40-29. And under Jeff Brom, who, Bill, I'm sure you remember, pretty darn good quarterback at Louisville back in the day. uh, Just the last few years, they knocked off number two Ohio State 49-20. They knocked off uh, number two Iowa 24-7 earlier this year, and now knocked off number three, Michigan State. It's about yeah. putting it all together, but, uh, you know, they've shown some signs of, of you know, hey, maybe, just maybe, uh, this is a program heading in the right direction, and they sit at six and three right now. You would think so, and certainly high exposure games like that, like like Saturdays against the Spartans, there's recruits watching those games, and, uh, and that's a big, big deal and a reality that uh, – you would expect Purdue to take advantage of, um, but they're they're in the mix. I mean, they're in the mix. And and talking about being in the mix, Sean, you may have an answer to this that I don't. But when's the last time Michigan and Michigan State in the middle of November controlled their own destiny? Because I I believe that we believe that that they do control their own destiny for the most part. Um, so that's that's another reason why you know we're fortunate to be in the state. Um, but but the, the the one thing, and I'm sure you, you know, saw it all last week. Just you know the the consternation, the outrage about the polls and about the standings. I mean, it's crazy. But I remember, and you remember when it was even worse. It was far worse. Yep. Back in the late '60s and early '70s, when there was one team, you know, maybe two throughout the year that had, well it, it came down to a bowl game so there's really usually only one or two teams that had a chance to win the national title and um i remember growing up uh in pittsburgh and pitt wasn't very good when i was when i was young but penn state had really started to come on under uh joe paterno and think about this sean 
1969 Penn State team is 11 and 0. I mean, a powerhouse. But the problem with that year was, do you remember the infamous uh, Texas-Arkansas game? Yes, absolutely. And, and the uh, president of the United States decided to make an appearance at the game, Richard Nixon. <laughs> and he also decided, you know, the winner of the game will be the national title holder, be the champs. So effectively, essentially, Richard Nixon decided who was going to be number one that year. And you talk about outrage in Pennsylvania at State College and and throughout the state and really throughout the land because what kind of system is that? Penn State, Sean, had three seasons where they were undefeated and they finished second twice. In 1973, they were 12-0 and they were ranked number five at the end of the year. Mm. So the bowl system back then, the traditional bowls, you know, orange, cotton, sugar, rose, you know, the New Year's Day bowl lineup. Um, you you were hoping as a college football fan, you were hoping because there were conference conference alignments back then and conference obligations. So you win the Big Ten, you're going to the Rose Bowl. And that was it. And sometimes to the detriment of the conference with respect to uh, being number one in the country. So we've come a long way. But I still think it needs to expand. I mean, why is college football the only sport where a team at the beginning of the year that is a Division One college football team, okay, you can go undefeated and not win a national championship? It's insane. It's insane. It is. Um, and there's schools like that. I mean, Cincinnati, are they going to, are they going to, you know, find their way into the top four? Um, Wake Forest before this past week, are they going to find their way into the top four? And 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 um, University of Texas San Antonio, are they going to find their way? I mean, there's no way it's not going to happen. So you wonder why. You wonder why. Um, it just seems to be, uh, you know, an expansion. You hear talk about it. It's going to go to eight. There'll still be potentially some teams that will be left out. Um, and what's interesting, you know, we're talking NFL today. It's a clear, you know, set of expectations and consequences. Yep. If you win your conference, I mean, you win your division, you win your conference, you're going. It, it doesn't always mean the best teams. Sometimes best, better teams don't make the playoffs because they lost a couple fluky games. They had, you know, injuries at the worst time. But those are the roles. Yep. And and to me, that seems so much better than than what's happening in college today. Hopefully, they'll get it changed sooner than later. One of the things that has always driven me crazy about college football is people telling you what they think they know. And and, yeah, and while right. while I explain this, I'm going to do it. Do I yeah. think that Cincinnati is in the top four? Nope, I don't. Right, I don't know. And yeah. I, and that's the thing that 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 uh, that makes me yeah. laugh. And to me, if they've earned their way up there, and they certainly have that's by it. the record, let's find out. Because right. how many times right. have we seen it, Bill? I I, I always go back. Um, Miami hadn't lost for two years, and yeah. they were what seventeen point favorites over Maurice Claret and Ohio State. And Ohio yeah. State knocked yeah. them off. Exactly. You know, and and yeah. Boise doesn't yeah. belong in the same country yeah. as Oklahoma, right. let alone right. on the same football field. 
and exactly. Boise knocks they them did. off. And, and, and that's, the, that's the stuff that drives me nuts. I want to get back to your thoughts about um, the committee as well, because I, yeah. I think it's much ado about nothing. And I'll use Michigan State as an example. Michigan State fell to Nebraska in 2013 or 2015. Yeah. Fell to yeah. Nebraska, you might remember by, by a point. They dropped mm-hmm. to 13, and they were out of it. In four yep. weeks left, they're out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple losses happen the next week. They move up to yep. nine. You know, they're still way on the outside looking in. They beat Ohio State and Ohio State. They move yep. up to five. Yep. People were still crying then. Why are we only five? Why are we only five? Mm-hmm. Spent two weeks at five before they had the opportunity to play Iowa in the Big Ten mm-hmm. Championship. They yep. moved all the way up to three. And, and that's like so many things can happen yeah. between now and then. So people that get wrapped up in this, mm-hmm. and I told you in a text, I, I think this is a made for television thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just do. That doesn't mean that I don't watch it. I love to watch it. I love <laughs> to hear all the opinions. Um, mm-hmm. But people that get upset about this bill, there's so much football left to be played. And as you mentioned, a lot of teams control their own destiny. There's no question. And you're right about TV. Um, I mean, ESPN, you know, is on the top of the football mountain when it comes to college football. We all know that. And I don't think we would trade what we used to have for what we have today. Amen. And I don't know what the ratings are for their reveal shows every week, um, which started this past week, but I'm sure they're astronomical. And it's not only the rating they're getting, you know, whatever night that is, Tuesday or Wednesday night, it's the talk on every sports radio station in the country throughout the whole week. And, uh, I mean, I'll go back. We talked about it last week. Go back to um, Michigan State before the Michigan game, Fox's pregame show, college game day. What an atmosphere. Yep. And that's the, the passion that people have for college football. And it doesn't just happen on Saturday by accident. It's what's happening throughout the entire week, the shows like the, you know, the standing show, the reveal show, what, whatever. But I do, I do wish there would be some type of adjustment to it um, because the beauty of sports is there's a scoreboard. Okay. And if you have more points than the team you played, you win, (laughs) but it's not that case determined in the final four. It's not that case. It may be other than figure skating, I guess. Right, Sean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe. But it's certainly not figure skating. And, um, I mean, I remember way back when, when I was still in college, and I went to Ohio U, you know, a, a MAC program, you know, went to games at Eastern and Western and Central during my time there. But it hit me so hard that – and just look at Western Michigan a few years ago when they were undefeated – they, they weren't going to, you know, make it to the playoff. They weren't. But my uh, my final column that I wrote as the sports editor of the paper back then, and I think it broke the athletic director's heart because he and I were really close. He was a mentor of mine. His name's Harold McElhaney. He, he was an All-American football player at Duke when they had Sonny Jergensen as a quarterback. They they were going to big bowl games every year. But the but the gist of my column back then still applies today. And it, it basically, I think my lead was something like, if you can't be <laughs> a champion at what you think you are, then you're not what you think you are. Something along those lines. And the application was to the teams in the MAC. You could, you could run the table and you're never going to be an NCAA champion. And uh, Youngstown State 
back at that time. And it may have been under Jim Trestle. I, I'm not sure the, the exact years he was there, but um, they were winning Division One AA championships. And I, I literally made a recommendation for Ohio U, if not all the Mac schools, don't you want to be champions of the entire college football universe that you exist in? Yeah. You can't. You can't. And um, and I actually used the, an example of um, Indiana State in basketball because in 79, yep. you know, little Indiana State, you know, if their football team had the record, the comparable record, they wouldn't have made any anywhere. But the basketball team, because the, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament does it so well. They ran the table when they make it to the championship game against the Spartans and Magic Johnson, Larry Bird and Magic. Yep. Um, but football isn't there yet. So hopefully, hopefully we'll see, you know, some positive movement toward that. Interesting conversation. I want to continue that when we come back because I've seen some of those teams okay. up close and personal and from Peden Stadium, I might add. I, I've been there to lovely yeah. Peden Stadium you... <laughs> down, down in Athens, Ohio. Yes, He's sir. Yes, Penis. Sir. I'm Sean Belegian. This is Football Rep on 760 WJR. All right, welcome back in. Uh, so glad you could join us on a Sunday night here on 760 WJR for Gridiron Rep. Uh, Bill, you know what? You said something near and dear to my heart talking about, um, you know, some of these teams in college football that don't get a chance. Um, yeah. I was fortunate for a few years to do uh, Toledo Rocket broadcast uh, in the Mid-American Conference. Love the Glass Bowl, venerable place. And, and let me tell you something. Um, back then it was so different because, you know, you weren't, you knew unless you won the MAC, you weren't going to a bowl. I mean, that's just the way it was. Unless you won the MAC outright. So, you know, you had different things, but, Gary Pinkle had so many, of course, he went on success at Missouri. He had so many good teams in my in, in my time there. And a, a couple of games that stick out, Joe Tiller and Purdue came into Toledo. They were spanked. I mean, like call off the dogs spanked. And there was a wow. game that started, it was my last season. And, and I know this is near and dear to your heart, but they went into Happy Valley and just spanked Penn State. It was 24 to 6, I guess. Yeah. And, and it was, and I'm telling you, mm -hmm. Bill, that team was good, but they lost one game to Western Michigan that year. Yep. They went 10 and one. They were ranked mm -hmm. during the course of the season, but it meant yep. nothing. I mean, their right. margin of error is less than nothing, you know? So um, it, it's interesting how many times, and I, I saw Randy Moss and Chad Pennington at Marshall. Mm -hmm. They were unbelievable. You mentioned that Western team. And that's the, the, the good news is now a lot of these teams are getting rewarded with a bull bid and, yeah. you know, they're getting a chance to experience this, but I, I can't stand the we'll never know part. And right. I remember the, the one year that really stuck out to me, I would have loved to have seen um, Miami and Washington. It was in 91. It mm -hmm. would have been great to see those two teams. Uh, I'm sorry, settle it on the field. Let's not talk about yeah. who we think is better. Let's actually watch who's better. Absolutely, Sean. I mean, that's the <laughs> the amazing contradiction about this issue, mm -hmm. because it's often not settled on the field. And um, I remember those those great back teams from the '60s and '70s and into the '80s. And back then, Sean, how many bowls were they? If you if you won the MAC championship, the bowl you went to was the Tangerine Bowl. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. it. That was it, the Tangerine Bowl. And I remember, you know, against, you know, against Toledo 
Tomato and Bowling Green, and they had wonderful players. They had good players. But I think another another real important factor about today's game and the teams from the MAC today, think about it, Sean. Back in the 60s, 70s, I remember when Johnny Majors went to Pitt as the head coach. I think his first year was 1973. And, Sean, he had 140 scholarship players on the team. So when you think about the the bigger programs, okay, they had all the great players, right? I mean, it's just natural. You're going to go to Pitt, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State. That's where you're going to go if you have a chance. Well, since they put a limit on scholarships, there's a trickle down. So those 60 players that didn't get, or 80 players, whatever it is, that didn't get to those upper-level programs are now going to lower-level D1 programs. Yep. And the players that were going to the MAC programs are going to Grand Valley and Ferris and Saginaw Valley and Wayne State. That's where they're going. And and the and the, the players that went to those strong D2 programs are now going to D3 programs. Yep. So the level of football collegiately from a talent and competitive standpoint is as good as it's ever been. Yep. So at the highest level why can't those teams be rewarded? Um, you know, they, they have to fix it because you're not going to have what you have today from a TV standpoint, from a scheduling standpoint, and quite frankly, from a revenue standpoint, if you don't have, you know, the max, you know, the, the American conference, you know, programs that play in those conferences. We, we need everybody to make it what it is today. So hopefully there'll be some adjustment and, um, and we'll, we'll see those Cinderella stories, you know, in football, like we've seen in basketball. I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, to me, that's, that's the beauty of, of, of the tournament is I'm, you know what, we don't have to talk about what Maryland Baltimore might do or whomever might do. You get an opportunity to prove it on the court. And, And I think that's one thing missing, from college football. I love college football. As I get older, that's another thing that it just seems like my love for college football gets greater and greater every year. But, uh, boy, you spoke to my heart, Bill. That's it. It's something that, uh, you just shake your head at it. I don't want to talk about past accomplishments. What your illustrious history has to do with this team this year is absolutely beyond me. But so often you hear people use verbiage like that. It it, it drives me out of my mind. I don't get it. I I remember, Sean, um, this must have been 79-ish. Ohio U got off to a real good start, and Toledo got off to a really good start. And back then, uh, there weren't college football. There wasn't any action back then, for one thing. But uh, you can can watch how many college football games a week, Sean. I mean, if you have cable, if you have, you know, access to all the channels, you could probably watch 50, 60 games a week, maybe more, okay? Back then – you had one or two games on Saturday, and you had regional games, ABC TV regional games. And that's where a MAC team would find itself once in a blue moon. And I remember, you know, going to the glass bowl to play Toledo, and Ohio U started off well, Toledo started off well. And I remember, and I was I was the sports editor of the school paper, but I was a stringer for the Columbus Dispatch. So I went with the team, you know, on the road and covered the games. And I, I remember 
walking into the press box and seeing the color analyst for that game, Rick Forzano. Wow. And I thought, I thought, man, I made it to the big time now. <laughs> Rick Forzano's here. And, and um, I got to know Rick very well when I came to Detroit. Um, God bless him. He passed away in the last couple of years. But what a prince of a guy. And uh, he was the one. He did a lot of TV and radio back in the 70s and into the 80s. And but that's all you had. You might have been fortunate to get one game a week, one game a season rather, if you were a Mac school. And now, I mean almost every game's on on some form of medium, whether it's TV, cable, stream, whatever. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful for the kids. By the way, I want to give a shout out. If if you're like me and and you you like to go to different stadiums and you know I've been blessed with my mm -hmm. job uh, to see different stadiums. Um, in honor of Bill, Peden Stadium is a nice place to go to, right? The little river right Beautiful. next to the stadium yeah. and everything. It, it is, it is a unique trip to take. And I, I, uh, yeah. I, I really think it's a good idea. You know, I did it a few years back with my son. I, boy, it's going back, I think 2008, Bill. <laughs> we, we literally, we were like, all right, we're going to go to Toledo this week. We're going to wow. go to Western this week. We're going to go to OU this week. And wow. it's, a, it's a really, it's, a, I, I love doing things like that. And uh, Peden Stadium is one of those uh, cool places, you know? That's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I think the campus at Ohio U is the best in the country. Oh, I mean, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful, especially this time of year. Um, and that's the Hawking River. And is that what it's called? Okay. The Hawking Hawk, River. And, right. and for, for those that really know the institution, it's the Harvard on the Hawking. Just so, you know, <laughs> if, if you want to refer to someone that has some Ohio U roots um, and you say, what, what's the deal with the Harvard on the Hawking? They'll, they'll appreciate that. They'll definitely appreciate that. But all the, you know, so many of the Mac schools have beautiful campuses and there's just something about the spirit that you see at a Mac school that's just wonderful. And, and that's great if, uh, you know, anybody has a chance to attend a game, any any game, basketball, football, whatever it might be at one of those schools, uh, you won't regret it. No doubt about it. Hey, just to let you know, uh, as we mentioned, the Chargers went on a field goal with a couple seconds left. They knock off the Eagles 27-24. The Chiefs do hold on, uh, knock off the Packers by a score of 13-7. to And the Cardinals uh, making their pitch yet again for potentially mm -hmm. being the best team in the National Football League. Uh, they knock off the Niners 31 to wow. 17 to improve to eight and one on the season. Speaking of eight and one, the Rams have a chance to do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, about a half hour from now as uh, they are at home in Inglewood preparing to take on the Titans. He is Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. Talk a little MHSAA football. When we come back, it's the gridiron rep. So glad you could join us on a Sunday night right here on 760 WJR. Well, congratulations to all the teams that are moving on in the MHSAA uh, playoffs. Uh, you know, a couple of games to note. How about Rochester Adams over no. Oxford? Boy, they look good, don't they, Bill? My goodness. Adams they, got it going on. They really do. I think they scored on scored touchdowns on their first six possessions. Wow. And I don't know if they had a third down until late in the game. I mean, they were just methodical. I, I saw some of the highlights from that game on a uh, national high school football network 
Um, and uh, it was it was just amazing how dominating they were. And uh, I'll tell you what the the West Bloomfield Adams game Ooh. you could uh, you could probably sell fifty thousand tickets to that game because I cannot imagine I can't imagine a better high school football game. Um, it's going to be power against power. West Bloomfield with the new coach, Coach Bellamy, going to the Wolverines, of course. And um, what what I think they got off to a little bit of a slow start. Yep. But boy, I mean, they beat Catholic Central, right? Who beat Lomas's team, um, Bloomfield Hills, pounded them. And uh, West Bloomfield, holy moly, they did it. I mean, from what I what I read and saw, they they pretty much controlled that game. So yeah, Friday night is going to be amazing when um, Rochester Adams and uh, West Bloomfield uh, tee it up. And I would hate myself if I didn't bring this up. Uh, L Town boy, congratulations to Livonia Franklin. They knocked off Livonia Churchill. Yes, sir. So I yes, uh, wanted wanted to yes, give a sir. shout out to the Patriots out there. I, you know, I, yes, Billy, sir. Always give me, you're always talking about the Spartans. There, I talked about the Patriots. Congratulations yeah. to the yeah. Patriots. You had a great yeah. question um, that that yeah. I wanted to get to in the last few minutes of the game. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you pose the question. Well, I'm going to make you commissioner of football, not just the NFL or the head of college football, of all football. Um, Cause I obviously have some strong opinions on this, but what, what rules might you change? And you could just make them level specific, you know, college yeah. pros, high school, but, but what would you do? I, you know what? I, I, I like that question. The first thing that popped into my head um, was the, the stupid fumble into the end zone rule. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I, I don't get it. I, I uh-uh. like, okay. It's punishment enough. You turn the ball yeah. over. All right. You turn the ball over. That's fun. Why do you give mm-hmm. him 20 yards? I, I, that doesn't, I, I never, right. I never understood that. So, I, you know, that might be minor for, for some people, but I, I've never liked that rule. Um, I, I would love to see the NFL go to the college pass interference rule as well. I really would. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just think, mm-hmm. uh, look, we all know today that, that defenses are playing with the, the deck stacked against them as it mm-hmm. is. Yes. Um, that That's one, Bill. Again, that might be minor, but in, mm-hmm. I, I think it would make it better if you if you did that instead of, you know, all right, let's go, you know, down to the one-yard line if it happened in the end zone on a 50-yard right. bomb, whatever the case may be. Is there anything that pops out to you? I'm intrigued to hear from you on this. Well, I, I totally agree on your fumble out of the end zone. I mean, an offensive team marches all the way down the field logically, okay, until they fumble it out of the end zone. So they, they're they succeeding. At any point on that drive, if they fumble it out of bounds, they keep the ball. Yep. Why is it any different? Why shouldn't they be given the ball either where the fumble occurred or at the 20, which still I think is too punitive, but I've never understood that. In fact, I don't know how many years ago I had, I have two rules that have just bugged me uh, forever. Uh, and that's one of them. And I, I wrote to Mike Pereira at the, uh, when he was in charge of the officiating, I got, I've gotten to know Mike over the years. That was one of them. And the other one was, and this happened, Sean, in every game, I swear, in every game, just picture offense is coming out. Okay. The offense is coming out there on the two-yard line, and false start. 
okay, on the offense. They get penalized one yard, right? Half the distance to the goal. The defense could be offside on the next play, essentially the same type of infraction. They get penalized five yards. Why? Why can't it be changed? Okay, so the offense is coming out. They're at the two or three yard line. False start. Just add five yards to the down to gain. Yep. Instead of first and 11 or 12, move the the marker down yep. five yards. It's yep. first and 15. Yep. It seems so simple to me. And there's other, you know, examples, other versions of that, even on the defense. Um, because, Sean, I'll, I'll tell you, there are there are times when a team is is going in, okay, and you're in half the distance territory where defensive backs are taught to to commit a penalty. If if there's like five or six seconds left to go in a half or the game, and and the offense needs a, a touchdown to win, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna tackle the receiver, Absolutely. okay? Because seconds are running off the clock. You can always have an untimed down. We know that. But I just think that one. That one bugs me uh, a little, and um, and you talked about the, the pass interference. I think that makes a ton of sense because where where I've always had the problem with it was at the high school level when you have some spot fouls. Like I I remember over the years, it seems like it would happen two or three times a year. The offense would hit a long play, and on the other side of the field, nothing to do with the play whatsoever. There's a flag. The offensive left tackle was called for holding 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage, 15 yard penalty, you know, and it had nothing to do with the play. Yep. But, but in high school, you could have a long pass where the receivers were wide open in the end zone or on the five yard line, he gets tackled. It's a 15 yard penalty. Yeah. It's not a spot foul. So if the rules are in place, to level the unfairness of the play that just occurred. Those are a couple things I think um, that should be considered. And then the other one, and there was a case um, in a game this year that there was a a 10 second runoff issue, but uh, you know, and I'll never let this go, Sean, (laughs) what happened to us lions against Atlanta back in 17. Okay. Gold state scores a touchdown. The officials go up with the score and then they decide to review the play. It's not a score. He's down. Sorry, there's nine seconds left, 10-second runoff. You lose the game. And my point there, and I, I've shared this with the league, if if the if the mistake is not by a player and a coach, if the mistake's by a player where he's penalized, okay, he's going to suffer the consequence. If it's by a coach, he'll suffer it. But if it's by the official, which it was in that case, the official incorrectly ruled a touchdown. Okay, then there should be an untimed down. You got it. One untimed play. No doubt about that. Boy, you just (laughs) brought back Steve Courtney and I walked out of the booth that day. I I, like, Uh, honestly, we looked at each other. It was like we both got a punch through our chest. Yeah, we did. Just oh, what a brutal day. Hey, Bill, always a pleasure. It flew by. We want to thank Eric Dorch and most importantly, thank you for checking us out here on 760 WJR. We will be back next week. Of course, Paul W. Smith, bright and early tomorrow morning. Uh, For Bill Keenest, I'm Sean Belegian saying until next week, thanks for listening to Grid Iron Wrap right here on 760 WJR. Have a great night, everybody.